0: Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello everybody, this is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. This is gonna be a good episode. I'm going to go over the very recent appellate court case that came out regarding the Indiana University vaccine mandate. So it's the very first appellate level federal case talking about vaccine mandates and whether or not you can require them. And of course, they said that you can. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell people the truth, even though I piss a lot of people off with it. And I'm a self-certified master practitioner. I gave myself that award almost 20 years ago. I definitely earned it and I earned it every week. I'm quite sure of that. So, all right, let's go ahead and get the show started. It does run a little bit over. So I wanted to do a show because the appellate decision in that Indiana University case came down. And that's the case where Indiana University is requiring vaccines in order to return. And of course that was objected to and the lower court denied their injunction pending an outcome of the case and now technically the appellate court has now denied the request for the injunction it doesn't mean that the case has been finalized and that the indiana university wins but in light of the way the standards are and the light of the findings we've already seen the university is going to win <laughs> it's moving forward it's really just a matter of procedure but the case is so obvious but procedurally where we are is case filed requesting injunction pending an outcome so that the kids could still go this fall injunction denied now the injunction denial was appealed and that appeal was also denied so the injunction is not going to occur and you're going to have to get a vaccine in order to go to Indiana University. Starting in the fall. And in all likelihood, like I said, by the time this case is completely actually over, the students are all going to be required. It's just obvious as hell. And there's just a ton of stuff around it that was so funny and interesting to me, mostly because it's just all just perfectly fits with exactly what I tell people, the way the system works, and how this is all going to break out. And in fact, Indiana has a new statute. That prevents vax passports, (laughs) just like Florida and Texas. And look what kind of protection it provides. It doesn't provide jack shit. You have to go get a vaccine in order to uh, go to the university. It's true they can't require proof. (laughs) <laughs> the exception now has been that you have to attest. You make you have to, in effect, swear that you had the vaccine. So if you do it improperly, that's even worse because now you're going to be stuck with a perjury charge. They're going to kick you out of the university for sure. And in all likelihood, they're going to come after you in some kind of prison thing. And if you think you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or anything else in the future, you lie about that attestation and you get caught, you're screwed. It's over. You've just screwed yourself. You're never, ever going to be able to uh, get licensed (laughs) because they have all sorts of what they call uh, moral qualifications. And when you have a crime like that or a problem like that where you've lied about something, they always use those to deny any kind of certification and licensing. So the so-called statute that doesn't allow VAX passports, that everybody runs around and acts like some big protection, it doesn't do shit. It's not providing any protection. Nobody's providing any protection. Okay, that's all lies. That's just a fantasy. It's a game. That's it. And the opinion itself is, I mean, it's short. <laughs> its I mean, it's really short. And so I may end up reading all of it. And I'm going to attach it, of course, because I like to attach it in case people have an interest in, in reading it themselves. And, and lots of times people do like to read it themselves. And I, I encourage people to read things like this once they kind of understand what they're looking at. And hopefully after listening to the show, you would understand. But this thing it was decided on uh, August 2nd, which is yesterday. And I'm going to go ahead and put it in on Thursday's show. And that's why I'm doing it, even though I had some other stuff I was thinking about putting in. I thought this was a good one. And so you have kids, some of whom are going to request a religious exemption because all these places are providing this religious exemption and the health exemption thing, which I've talked about before. And the reality on all of that is those things are all going to get narrowed down. And you're going to have to make all sorts of attestations in that too. So you're not going to be able to just put it in there with a little laminated card. It's not going to work because eventually over time, they're going to start checking on all this stuff. And if you ever go for, like I said, any kind of serious licensing, they'll do investigations of this stuff. And if you get caught, then you're screwed. Your entire career will be built on the head of a pen that at any time can get tipped over. And so it's not going to work. See, none of this stuff, none of these avoidance techniques are going to work over time. People think they will. All these people run around. The same people who were telling me all about crimes against humanity and all this crap, they don't understand how the system works. See, they've been lied to so long. They're so misled by constitutional conservatives their whole life. They have no idea how the system actually works. (laughs) And if you understand the way it works like I do, and I've explained to people, and I continue to explain to people, well, then you can know that outcomes like this are clear. And this is an interesting case. So like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit of it, and then I'm going to talk about it. So here's what the appellate court said after the district court had said, no, you're not entitled to an injunction on this, and you're not likely to uh, win on the merits. All right, here's what it says. Starting next semester, all students at Indiana University must be vaccinated against COVID-19 unless they are exempt for religious or medical reasons. Just like I said, exempt students must wear masks and be tested for the disease twice a week. (laughs) So if you get this this lottery ticket, oh, yay, I'm a religious exemption. I'm a health exemption. Well, you still have to wear a mask and get tested twice a week. (laughs) See, so it doesn't do anything. Okay. Eight students contend in this suit that these conditions of attendance violate the due process clause of the Constitution's 14th Amendment. The district court denied plaintiff's request for a preliminary injunction. And they ask us to issue an injunction pending appeal. So in other words, they want them to institute an injunction so they can go to school while they resolve this case. Just like I said, here's what the court says now. Given Jacobson v. Massachusetts, which holds that state may require all members of the public to be vaccinated against smallpox, there can't be a problem with vaccination, period. (laughs) That's it. All the people that told me Jacobson's only a $5 fine or it doesn't stand for that, and you'll see, blah, 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 and all the people I said, that's not the way it works. See, that's not the way it works. That Jacobson case, which is a joke from 1905, just a piece of crap. That's it. It's over. It's done. You get all sorts of vaccines they require now. Smallpox and all this other stupid crap they dream up. doesn't matter the efficacy and all the other stuff as I've gone through with people. That's the basically the entire basis for the opinion right there. So, here's what the court continues. Plaintiff asserts that the rational basis standard used in Jacobson does not offer enough protection for their interests and the courts should not be as deferential to decisions of public bodies as Jacobson was but a court of appeals must apply the law established by the Supreme Court period <laughs> this is what I tell people see, it doesn't matter they, they chose this randomized dreamed up rational basis test which just means the government can do anything they want and the simple fact is that the appellate court just like the district court are bound to that decision that's it And they're only bound to it, not because the Constitution says they are. They're bound to it because there is a U.S. statute that binds them to it, just like it binds a district court to the appellate court that's within its circuit. They must follow it. That's it. Now, of course, they, they differentiate crap and they dream it up and they ignore it whenever they want to. But whenever they want to rely on this as cover, this is what they do. And this judge doesn't even go into a whole bunch of stuff. He just makes it very clear. Look. Jacobson says that there's no constitutional problem with requiring vaccines. That's it. There's nothing else to say. There's nothing else to discuss, and he doesn't bother discussing anything else because there's no constitutional problem with it. That's it. (laughs) That's, That's it. See, that's all there is. All the other shit you hear on the Internet and everything else, it's all crap. It's all crap. This is what is going to actually happen. So, you know, I've done the show that showed the DOJ. I did the Methodist District Court case. And now I'm showing you an appellate court case. And I guarantee you, the Supreme Court, what will happen with that is that there'll be some kind of hokey, phony, baloney uh, dissent that will not carry the day, that will discuss all sorts of stuff that the stupid constitutional conservatives will run off, and jack around and raise money on. This stupid language, it doesn't hold any uh, water at all. It doesn't hold any weight at all. That's what will happen. All right, let's continue on with this opinion. Plaintiffs invoke substantive due process under Washington v. Glucksburg and other decisions. Such an argument depends on the existence of a fundamental right ingrained in the American legal tradition. Listen to that shit. Listen to that ridiculous standard. Just some made up, cooked up Barnum statement. Could mean anything. Yet, Jacobson, which sustained a criminal conviction for refusing to be vaccinated, shows that plaintiffs lack such a right. (laughs) To the contrary, vaccination requirements like other public health measures have been common in this nation. That's it. That's it. All this stuff about Fauci and this, and it's not a vaccine. None of that stuff's going to come in. See, none of that stuff comes in. They just take the official narrative about whatever the FDA and the CDC say. That's what's assumed to be true. They bring it in. They compare it to this made-up set of Barnum statements that they have, with a made-up set of standards that allow the government to interpret it any way they want, and that's it. And now they just say whatever the Supreme Court says, well, that's what they're bound to. Well, they are because they're bound by statute to it. But again, it's just a made-up thing. See, the whole system is a made-up system in order to make sure you're funneled into one corrupt government system that people imagine is some freedom institution that's basically a star chamber of, of criminals and compromised individuals sitting on the court. And then that's it. Then everybody is bound to it. That's why decentralization is the only chance. Because once they started this nonsense about the Supreme Court being the law of the land that you, quote, must follow, it's over. And the Congress itself put it into the statute. So let's continue with this case because it's very funny to me. And this case is easier than Jacobson for the university for two reasons. So it's even easier, of course, because it's not a criminal conviction. First, Jacobson sustained a vaccination requirement that lacked exceptions for adults. See that? No exceptions. But Indiana University has exceptions for persons who declare vaccination incompatible with their religious beliefs and persons for whom vaccination is medically contraindicated. The problems that may arise when a state refuses to make accommodations, therefore, are not present in this case. See that? See, so this phony baloney religious exemption thing that they're going to put out there, where you still have to run around and wear a mask and get a stinking swab shoved up your face uh, twice a week. And anytime you get a false positive or phony baloney result, you have to stay in your room. and all. That's all okay. See, all of that's completely okay. <laughs> this is just, there's nothing there. Okay. So now they've created all these exceptions that don't do anything. They don't really protect you in any way. Indeed, six of the eight plaintiffs have claimed the religious exception and a seventh is eligible for it. These plaintiffs just need to wear masks and be tested, requirements that are not constitutionally problematic. Got it? So making you wear a mask, that's not constitutionally problematic. Forcing someone to shove a Q-tip up your nose and scrape the bone near your brain, the back of your nasal cavity, that's not constitutionally protected. Uh, this is what I'm so funny to me, is that it's just so blatant and obvious how phony the system is. And yet, I'm telling you, these constitutional conservatives will continue to go out there and push the load of shit that they do. Second, Indiana does not require every adult member of the public to be vaccinated, as Massachusetts did in Jacobson. Vaccination is instead a condition of attending Indiana University. People who do not want to be vaccinated may go elsewhere. Many universities require vaccination, but many others do not. Plaintiffs have ample educational opportunities. Got it? Now this one, of course, is absurd because I saw an article, and I think I'll attach it, showed that 500 different universities are already requiring this vaccination shit. <laughs> but here's the deal, this is just like the Methodists. It's not required. You just don't have to go there. Oh, it's a state university? Oh, so what, doesn't matter. Oh, so they get state funds? It doesn't matter this is the fake private business kind of argument. (laughs) It's always the same. See, they have ample other, other opportunities. They can go and pursue. Okay. Well, so what if all the Ivy league schools start requiring it? Well, you're blocked out of all sorts of other schools. If you don't go to an Ivy league school, what if all the basic good schools all start requiring it? Now what? So your entire career is basically just short circuited from day one. See, that's the way it really works. This is the way the system really works. All this blather about rights and constitution, we have to get organized and make phone calls. It's all bullshit. See, it's all total bullshit. (laughs) Okay, let's continue. Each university may decide what's necessary to keep other students safe in a congregate setting keep them safe. There's no discussion. There's no analysis of anything else. It's just something stated by the, whoever in charge of the so-called university public health, this and that they've decided, blah, blah, that's it. That's it because then that's done with the same kind of analysis of rational basis to this and that. And the guidelines are connected to this from the CDC. It's all just one giant intertwined load of shit health exams and vaccinations against other diseases are common requirements of higher education. Vaccination protects not only the vaccinated persons, but also those who come in contact with them. And at a university, close contact is inevitable. That's it. There you go. That's it. There's no discussion about whether it's a vaccination, whether or not the vaccine works, whether or not that thing's even risky. Could they require a vaccine for, for something that has literally no risk at all of killing you? Yes. That's not part of the analysis because that's the way the system's set up. (laughs) Listen to this. This is one of the funniest, most ridiculous, absurd analogies the court uses. We assume with plaintiffs that they have a right in bodily integrity. They also have a right to hold property. Yet they or their parents must surrender property to attend Indiana University. (laughs) So he's just saying, yeah, you have a right to bodily integrity. So what? has nothing to do with the fact that you just can either attend Indiana University and give up parts of it or not. So this is the same thing. Undergraduates must part with at least 11000 a year in state tuition, even though Indiana could not summarily confiscate that sum from all residents of college age. See? You don't have to go to Indiana University. You don't have to pay the money. Sure, you have a right to keep your money. Sure, you have a right to bodily integrity. Oh, but wait, also, all of the things that government requires a university degree in order to get, Like being a lawyer and a doctor and engineer and all these accountants and all these other things and these jobs that all require it and certifications that require minimum educational standards that the state all sets. No discussion of that. So the state can set all sorts of requirements and standards that you have to get this university degree. And then they can just say, well, you don't have to uh, take those jobs. (laughs) This <laughs> just okay you don't have to take the job and so you don't have to go to the university and so you don't have, but you're just completely marginalized from any participation in society. And see that's what's going to happen as I've told people since day 1. <laughs> uh, let's continue. Other conditions of enrollment are normal and proper. The first amendment means that a state cannot tell anyone what to read or write. But a state university may demand that students Read things they prefer not to read and write things they prefer not to write. Got that? (laughs) A student must read what a professor assigns, even if the student deems the books heretical, and must write exams or essay questions as required. Got it? A student told to analyze the role of nihilism in Dostoevsky's The Possessed, but who submits an essay about Iago's motivation in Othello will flunk. Got it? You just have to comply with whatever it is they tell you. And that's what I'm saying. That's why the system, that they're never going to issue some national mandate. You have to do it. You're never going to because it's just going to be death by a thousand cuts using these kinds of systems where it's like, well, you don't have to do that. They're not actually coercing you because you don't have to do it. Well, how many different things have to be eliminated out of your options before it's coercive? (laughs) <laughs> and see, when they set the standard up itself, that they have the right to set these other certification requirements and just give the university and you have to be has to be an accredited school and all these other things that are all massively interrelated. All those things are just ignored. See, they're not part of the analysis because the analysis is fake. It's just a fake thing where they set up a fake three-part exam or three-part analysis and then they go through it. And not surprisingly, it gets approved each time. Because it's just government approving whatever government does. And the government itself, all these little government judges and everything else, people think they're sitting there and judging based upon analysis and justice and the Constitution and all this other stupid shit. Now that's what's happening. All they are there to do, they are functionaries who are there in effect to produce a result that the state likes. That's it. And all the system has been set up to produce exactly that. See that? (laughs) That's it. Here's how he concludes in his final paragraph. If conditions of higher education may include surrendering property and following instructions about what to read and write, it's hard to see how a greater problem with medical conditions that help all students remain safe when learning. (laughs) You got that? So it's how can you have a problem with, uh, with safety? See, it's all about safety. Safe, keeping people safe when learning. I mean, listen to that sentence. If conditions of higher education may include surrendering property and following instructions about what to read and write, it's hard to see a greater problem with medical conditions that help all students remain safe when learning. So that's it. It's all about this safety thing. The fact that they don't think it's safe, that's irrelevant because the state has deemed it to be safe. And that's it. Once it's deemed by the state in this magical deal where you don't actually get to confront any of the evidence, it's over. And that's what I've said since day one. See, the system is not constructed. And none of these new laws about vax passports or anything else, I've already covered two of them, show anything. They're not going to do anything. See, they're not going to do anything because all the stuff that's missing from there that I go over in those shows is the real thing that's needed. That's how you actually get some kind of defense of rights. To the extent you ever even can against government and a government court. But there's absolutely no personal liability for these people in government just making shit up, and none of the actual data is ever challenged. <laughs> All right, let's finish up this paragraph. A university will have trouble operating when each student fears that everyone else may be spreading disease. Few people want to return to remote education, and we do not think that the Constitution forces the distance learning approach on a university that believes vaccination or masks and frequent testing of the unvaccinated will make in-person operations safe enough. The motion for an injunction pending appeal is denied. Do you hear this? Just an assumption that the Constitution and the government can all be involved in this kind of education crap. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account, for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal man? (laughs) Well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can, and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show just an assumption that the Constitution and the government can all be involved in this kind of education crap. The government has no basis to be involved in any of this education crap. The federal government gives these kinds of institutions huge amounts of money. None of that's ever discussed, see? It's just an assumption that the state has the right to do all these things and then to make the decision about whether the state's allowed to do these other things. All of this stuff is just all the stuff that's assumed in. And that's why these things never ever ever work it's why every single time they will always produce the results i tell people they will and why the constitutional conservative analysis doesn't work believe me i used to believe it all the time i used to believe the same stupid constitutional conservative crap until i actually started practicing law for a few years and then i was like well hold it this is kind of weird and then by the time i got burned a bunch of time in the courts i was like well hold it and then I started understanding. And then once I have really read Spooner, then I really opened my mind to these concepts. And I've just, I've just parsed it out and I know what it does. And just everything they tell you is, is just not true. It's, it's just not true. A case like this, a very simple opinion like this, just shows you it's over. Yeah, you're going to get some rogue court who's going to make some other kind of argument in some form or fashion. But I'm telling you, you'll end up at the Supreme Court. They'll approve all this stupid crap, and there'll be some kind of dissent that everybody will run around and argue about and think it's some kind of thing. And they'll they use that to do some more fundraising to make sure we get we got to win the presidency, to win the nominations, to get the right people on the court, and all this other crap. As soon as you're in this box, you've lost. See, as soon as you're in the box, you've lost. And the constitutional conservatives put everybody in the box. They assume the validity of the box. The box itself is the problem. The box as described by them is the part that's not true. Supreme Court is not the law of the land. We don't have to obey it. We don't. If we had to obey that, if that was part of the Constitution, you would not need a U.S. statute to make the lower courts obey it. So you wouldn't need it. And you wouldn't need a statue that makes the trial courts have to obey the appellate courts in their circuit. You wouldn't need that if it was part of the Constitution. And nobody would ever agree to this insane setup where one's court from at some time, literally a hundred and fifteen plus years ago, makes some stupid shitty decision, and now everybody's bound for all times with all these different crazy scenarios. <laughs> It's idiotic. It has nothing whatsoever to do with freedom. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever to do with constitutional rights and liberty or anything else. It's just utterly asinine and upside down. And this case just proves it once again. So the only chance you have is you got to get enough people to understand how badly misled they are by these people who are multimillionaires out in public who push this constitutional horseshit. It's just not true. That's all. And, you know, like I said, people, they don't, they don't like my show. They, they're never going to like my show because my show brings bad news. And the news is that you have been lied to and faked and fooled your whole life at a very fundamental level. All the stupid crap you've run around with the flag draped around you and running around with your stupid flag underwear and shorts and everything else and freedom isn't free and all the stupid crap. It's just all been a pack of lies. It's all been a pack of lies, just like Phil Collins sang. All been a pack of lies. (laughs) That's it. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. That's it. What's coming? Tyranny. (laughs) That's what's coming. So, all right. Well, that's the case. That's the, the new latest appellate decision. It's the first one in the country. It broke out exactly like I thought it was. Now it will be cited, even though it's not controlling in other circuits, it will be cited. It will be cited, and, and that's it. It's, it's kind of done. It's just kind of done. And they're, they're just showing you all the death by a thousand cut system they're going to be using moving forward. It's just clear as day. So I wish I had good news for people, but, you know, I'm not responsible for this system. I'm just not. I'm just here to try to show people there is a way out, and that is we have to get enough people to understand how fundamentally they've been lied to. And they have to stop listening to these constitutional conservative blowhards on TV and radio who are multi-multi-millionaires selling lies, books, and all sorts of other horse shit, just directing people into dead ends. And if we don't get those people, then we don't. And I don't see a lot of chance we're going to get them because my show is just never going to get enough exposure. And that's one of the reasons that I really appreciate the people who are on Patreon because at least we can commiserate, and they have respect for my time to make the show and to learn all this shit. It's not like there's other people who are lawyers telling people this. There's very few lawyers in the entire country who even understand the kinds of points I understand. There just are. I know that sounds egotistical, but it's not. It's just fact. It's just fact. You know, I've practiced for more than 30 years. I studied this stuff for a very long time. I put the pieces together and it wasn't easy. And so I appreciate people who respect the fact that, you know, this is valuable information. And I provide it to the public because the people in Patreon want me to, and because I think that the people in the public, even though most will never want to hear it, that each individual has a right to hear it, and then most will simply ignore it and deny it. <laughs> That's what they'll do, and so I just know they will. So I spread the truth on my Twitter account too. I'm Legal Man at U.S. Law Review, and you can follow me there. And like I said, I got a lot of public shows. People can listen to them. And you can support my show on Patreon. I really appreciate it. I put a bunch of extra material in there. And I'm going to start a live show in there periodically as well. where you can People can call in. And we can kind of have some fun together inside Patreon. And I think that's going to be a good show. I really think people are going to like that too. So I don't know if I'll ever put those out in the public. But anyway, it's something. And of course, I got the movie. Uh, some update on the movie due to COVID and the stupid SAG and increasing all the requirements again that were set to be removed in July, the movie's been pushed for 60 days. But I've been cast as Mr. Jones in The Jones Plantation, which is a great indie film written by Larkin Rose. Everybody in the freedom movement knows Larkin. But yes, it has been pushed, but it's still gonna come out early next year, would be my expectation. We're gonna film in in November now instead of in September. But anyway, I hope people support that project, too. I really do. It's not our fault that the thing's getting pushed. It's just not. There's just no way to work around it. We just go broke. We can't afford to be tested every two days, even if we wanted to agree to it on a f- philosophical matter. We just can't afford to. Because as soon as you get a false positive, that's it, the entire set's blown. We, we can't afford to be shut down for 10 days multiple different times, etc. It just doesn't work, so they screwed us. And, you know, it's all part of the way they're trying to make sure that independent voices like mine, like that movie, they they don't get heard, that it's just this uniformed fakery of the CDC side, the government side, the leftist side, and then the fake constitutional conservative so-called opposition, which just is all part of the same controlled opposition that just leads people into a ditch. And since those people make millions and millions and millions of dollars, and the thing's fantastically well-funded, that's why, because it's no threat. And people like me and the film, The Jones Plantation, those kinds of things are actual threats to the system. And so people have to support them. And that's why I encourage people to support my Patreon account, because the only thing that really ultimately counts is whether or not people are willing to put their money where their mouth is. And that's why I respect the people in Patreon, because they do put their money where their mouth is. And I appreciate that. And my time is extremely valuable. The show is extremely valuable, quite frankly. You just think about all the different things I've explained to people that they've never, ever heard before in their entire life. So we have to stick together. It's the only chance we have. It's the only chance we have. And if we can't get enough people, at least we can know that we know the truth and not ever be fooled by those fucking liars up there. So... All right. Well, I knew the show would run over because often these shows, when I have to try to explain some either case or piece of audio or something else, it takes time and I blow through it really rapidly, but I try to keep the shows relatively brief because I think it's easier for people to actually be able to listen to them to find the time. So anyway, did run over, but that's the way it goes. So I'm going to wrap it up now. I appreciate everybody's time. You guys have been a great audience. Everybody have a nice night or day wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time. Legal man. Great show. Thanks so much. Get to check your service on the way out. More quash. More quash.